Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and however you're listening to us, whether it's through Anchor, Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public, thank you for making sports and the world a part of your day. I'm Ladarius Brown, and once again, this gator swimming in the swamp alone this week, my co-host. Chris, he's not feeling too well. He's under the weather. And I say your health, your health is always important. And, you know, you know, once again, you know, his presence will be missed. But at the end of the, you know, at the end of the day, his health supersedes anything in life. I've always believed that. There's certain things that take greater precedence. So, Chris, this one's for you, buddy. So with that, let's dive right on in. And if I had described week four in one particular mode to be this, <coughs> a lot of teams choked. And a lot of teams, a lot of teams just choked. But, you know, and I'll get to those teams in a minute. But I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Listen. I know it wasn't the greatest game to watch, and, you know, I watched it for the benefit of you guys. So, if you guys were watching WWE Raw, you know, I get it. And I'll be putting up something on the podcast, a question about that, but I'll get to that toward the back end of this episode. But what I took away from the Pittsburgh State is that, look, my my biggest concern with Big Ben going down was, was how is this offense going to produce? Because big, you know, Big Ben accounted for what, 35, 40 percent of the offense, and that's gone. And between everybody else, they have to make up that sixty. So the quarterback position has to make up for that two fifths of the production. How is that going to work out? How is it going to go? But what I came away with was that defense, and you know, and it was a reminder. That, listen, my my qualm with Mike Tomlin has never been. The defense, it has been more of the off-the-field locker room structure inside of there and control. But on the field, listen, they had eight sacks. Listen, Cameron Hayward had two and a half. T.J. Watt had one and a half sacks. They counted for half the sacks. Andy Dalton, you know, his hair got redder than what it was. And like Andy, it was a hard not life for him in that pocket. Monday. But... But listen, I want to talk about one particular Pittsburgh Steelers player, and that's Jalen Samuels. Listen, when I read the stats, it may not be impressive, but I'll tell you the significance of it. Listen, he had 26 yards rushing. He had eight receptions, 57 yards, three for three passing, because they did a lot of wildcat, which I really love seeing. And then he had a touchdown. He's only the second player since the merger in 1970 to have three completions, three rushes, and three catches in a game. The other person to do it was someone who was very athletic. That was Terrell Pryor back in 2016. And, well, Darius, why is Jalen Samuels significant? Because there was talk during the week that, listen, we got to get this dude more involved in the offense. We got to get him involved. And you saw that, like I said, with the aforementioned Wildcat. Listen, the Wildcat is something that, it was a fad. It was like, you know, people, you know, like those rompers. And, like, rompers were terrible. And someone had the nerve the other day to ask me, oh, would you wear a romper? And I just gave him a stare. 
And I think when people ran the Wildcat, you know, I think a lot of people gave them, you know, gave a stare like, listen, it works just like rompers. But hopefully rompers don't come back. I think the Wildcat works if you use it sporadically. Because if that's your end all, it's going to be terrible. But Pittsburgh's finding ways to utilize every part of that offense. That's the way I took away. That's where Cincinnati's going to be a long season. Listen, I think Zach Taylor's going to turn it around. I think the penultimate questions are going to be the health of A.J. Green. Andy Dalton will be the quarterback because that 2020 quarterback class, a lot of, it's very deep and fixing that defense. And that's a, that's not going to be done overnight. So those, that's the thing I took from Monday night. And once again, you know, even Thursday night, you know, great win by the Eagles over the Packers. Took away, listen, Philly's not a bad team. Listen, the Lions, listen, the Lions are a sneaky good team. And we'll talk about them toward the end of this segment. But one of the things is simply this. Another thing that I learned, I learned a lot about, I learned a lot about a couple of quarterbacks. I was about Jameis Winston. Listen, Jameis Winston on the road in L.A., which I thought was a very good, you know, not a very average Rams defense. And that's just being very nice. So, destroyed him. 28 of 41, 385 yards and four touchdowns. Why did I put emphasis on that? Because, listen, Tampa Bay, James Winston's been there. They're one and four when he goes with 350 yards passing and over and three touchdowns or more. This is the first game they've won when he's put up that number. And this is what I say. That's why I always say Jameis is talented. See, in every situation, and it's why I talk about Kirk Cousins, which I will definitely get to, this is why I put Jameis as a dude that if you can get this dude to click, and I think with Bruce Arians, if you can't make it work with Bruce Arians, who, who's worked with Ben Roethlisberger, he's worked with Carson Palmer, he's, you know, he worked briefly, I believe, with Pittman. You know, the thing is, Bruce Arians understands offense. And, and this is Jameis's last hope. You know, because once again, that quarterback class, I keep putting great emphasis on that. You got to figure out if you got it or not. And I truly do believe that, listen, and that defense just plays even half, half as good. I'm not talking the whole thing, even a quarter. They can win shootouts. Listen, they're, they're like the poor man's Chiefs, except for the fact that, listen, Mahomes is way better than James. I think we can all in unison agree on that. But on the other side, Jerry Goff in that game, 40. Of 69, 517 yards, two touchdowns, three picks. That was the third third most pass attempts in NFL history behind Drew Bledsoe and Vinny Folks, Todd Gurley, non-existent. And listen, they were moments where they could have ran the football. Listen, like I say, James only threw the ball 41 times. So... But if you throw it 60, listen, if you throw it, Ben Roethlisberger, I think 50, like maybe 50, 55, but he never threw 60 unless they were coming from behind. And mind you, there were points in the game where the Rams could have took over, but they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't establish field position. 
mistakes were made. And I'll, and I'll give Todd Bowles defense. I like Todd Bowles a lot of credit with those three interceptions. But there's no excuse if you have Todd Gurley, why why Jared Goff should be throwing the ball 69 times. And and that lets me believe to what I when I when me and Chris did our preseason picks. Listen, the Rams are a top ten, top you know I can argue top five team, but look, that's all contingent upon the health of Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, folks, is not healthy. And I said it in the Super Bowl: this dude's not healthy. You know, you know, limiting they're treating this dude like a pitcher coming off the you know. Off, you know, off the DL with an elbow, you know, with an arm, you know, with an elbow injury. You know, they trying to minimize his proverbial snaps. His, you know, like do a picture with his innings, and folks, you know, it's it's working to a degree. And, and quite frankly, if I was Rams fans, I'd be concerned because listen, Wade Phillips, listen, smart. He's a, I can argue a Hall of Famer. I can argue longevity. He's had success pretty much everywhere he's been. Look, I don't know what else to say. Is that they don't turn around? He may be the fall guy for this. Is it fair? Not. But we've learned in the NFL that listen, some things aren't fair. And listen, I think he's a good dude. I think you know people will tell you, listen, they respect Wade. Wade is well respected in a lot of circles. But I think the question does become, and it's a legit question. Can this Rams defense put it together? Because, listen, you can have a lot of shootout games, but you just lost one. And I tell people, when they went all in on defense, they went out and got Ndamukong Sue, who, by the way, ironically, played for the Rams and put the nail in the coffin with the fumble return. You know, it felt like a very slow caboose running in that end zone. But... That's my question for the Rams. And, and listen, my question... Goes for the Baltimore Ravens. That defense, the was when they played the Browns. Listen, they allowed 530 yards. They had three turnovers on offense, two interceptions, three fumble, you know, and one fumble. Baker Mayfield had a great game, 342, one touchdown on the pick. Listen, I'll talk about Baltimore if I get to Cleveland. Listen, Lamar Jackson. Listen, he went 24-34, 247, three touchdowns. He didn't have a bad game. But once again, this was this was a concern that I had when I, you know, when I did the pick, you know, when I did the, you know, the, listen, if that defense can play, listen, in, in today's NFL, you you're not going to see 85 Bears or those or they Raven defenses, you know, you see them, but it, 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 the league is shifted enough where it's a quarterback league, so you just need your defense. Not to lose you games and give up big plays on the other side. That's all you need them to do. And one of the things is, is, is that once Baltimore, I think, listen, it's an aberration, but I think that's a greater concern to me. And, you know, as, as for the Cleveland, look, my problem with Cleveland always lies in the coaching. Folks, it's, I use the Miami Heat comparison. Listen, when they brought in LeBron James, yeah. You had, and you threw him in with, it was James, Wade, and Bosch. And this is what I told people. I told them like this. I said, look, they're not going to win the title the first year because, listen, I need to trust Eric Spolstra. He's, he's a, Eric Spolstra is the hell of a coach. But he hasn't coached this type of talent 
No one's coached that type of talent since Phil Jackson, Popovich, those t- those upper echelon coaches. And listen, they didn't win the title, but they eventually did. This is what I say about Cleveland. Freddie Kitchens needs to prove that he can coach. Listen, I don't take this one game and go, oh. And listen, and I can understand where Rex Ryan's coming from. You know, he, you know, calling him over. You know, I won't go that far. I'll go as far to say, listen, Baker fits the personality of Cleveland. I will say that because he truly does. But what I also say is, is that it's simply this. Baker, listen, he's tied he, for interceptions. He's, he has to, he, listen, he can win you games and lose them games. He has that Brett Favre mentality. But at the end of the day, Brett Favre got a champ. Brett Favre is well-revered and well-liked. He's very reminiscent in personnel in the way he plays. But to me, Brett Favre had great coaches. He had great coaches. And at the end of the day, Baker Mayfield, you know, you gave him Hugh Jackson. We know how that turned out. And and also, listen, you give him Freddie Kitchens. Listen, he, he called a great couple of play. He's a great play caller one season. And then they half a season for that. And we'll make him the head guy. This is what I say. Listen, if Cleveland can't, if they can figure out the coaching, this could be a playoff team. But I'm, listen, I'm still on the bandwagon. I'm still on this bandwagon. I support Baker. But listen, this game says more about, about Baltimore than it did Cleveland. I'm not going to, and I'm not taking nothing away that they played. But this was an indictment on Baltimore. Figure out the defense, because that was a concern. Lamar Jackson solved my concerns the first quarter of this season. This dude can throw the football. He's got Marquise. Listen, there's weapons on this team. Mark Andrews is a sneaky good tight end. There's pieces on this team, and Mark Ingram as well. And and so that you know that you know that solved my concerns. But you know, speaking of Concerned. I'm concerned about Dallas. Listen, 3-0, you can argue, okay, they played three mediocre teams. They had a chance to go on the road in that Superdome, tough to play as it is, against the backup quarterback, who, who has experience starting, but he's the backup nonetheless. And you have three turnovers, both by your best offensive players, one by Zeke and one by Witt. You can question the Zeke thing, but, you know, it was very hard. And so I get it, and, and then Dak threw an interception. Listen, they're 0-3 when Zeke goes under 40. They're 31-10 when he's above it. This is all about Zeke. This is about Zeke. When Zeke gets even 40 yards, because he's a threat in the passing game, he gets under that. The Saints, listen, that, that, listen, that rush defense is not an aberration. That's a very good front seven. Dallas' front seven is great. They shut down Kamar, did Dallas. But look, listen, you can't lose a game if you're the Dallas Cowboys when they don't score a touchdown. This, to me, I know how good Dallas' defense is. Chris Richard, that's a great defensive staff. And this, listen, Kellen Moore hasn't called plays. This is Jason Garrett, once again, Jason Garrett comes into question. Listen. You want me to take you seriously. You had to beat the New Orleans Saints. Everything was set up for you. And then somehow or another, you blew it. You know, you blew it. 
New Orleans. Four field goals. Listen, the last time the Saints won a game with no touchdown, October 25th, 1998. I was 10 years old. And a lot of you listeners probably, we grew up when boy bands. That was the last time. Boy bands. Not talking to you, 98 Degrees, but boy bands. No, I love you, Nick Lachey. You're good. But, <laughs> but the point is, is that that's almost 21 years. And here's the thing. They had nine penalties. Seven offense did New Orleans. There was a lot of situations where the Dallas Cowboys could have won this football game. Why didn't they step up? And listen, we could argue, listen, people say, oh, you're, it's, no. This is this is why this is why Dak is not getting paid. This is why. Like you like you hear me like this is why. That's why he's not getting paid. You know, sports in a well and and listen, you can sound off about it on social media at sports the world both Twitter and Instagram, Facebook page Sports and the World. Ampersand for the word and. Go on the, about, on the about tab on the page. Click that. Click the link to listen to this episode and every episode. And also, I put the message link to drop some comments, thoughts, and opinions on what I talk about, what me and Chris talk about. You know, I dropped it on my page. I dropped it on the Facebook page. Sound off. Leave a message. We'll play it on the show. Because I know people got opinions about Dallas. And listen, I'm, I'm not going to be like Chris. Chris is the antithesis of how everybody feels about Dallas. No, the antithesis of a Dallas Cowboy fan. But listen, I I side with Chris a lot. Especially he, you know, listen. Listen, this game he'd have been dead on about. And I'd agreed with him. This was your chance against a very good, even without their best, listen, without a Hall of Fame quarterback who didn't, they didn't score a touchdown. So your defense did the job. They controlled field position. They didn't let them. They didn't break. And you still lost the game. So that part I get. Speaking of things that I get and don't get, I just don't get how New England keeps winning games like this. Listen, 16 to 10. Listen, Tom Brady. If I were to tell you Tom Brady went 18 to 39, 150 yards, uh, interception. You would have said they would have lost the game. Not New England. But listen, in the Brady era, since he took it as a starter in 2001, there are two and five when his QBR is under 50. Both of those wins are Buffalo Bills. And this is to me says more about the Buffalo Bills, just like I talked about with Cleveland and Baltimore. Listen, it just says the reciprocal because listen, People think, oh, this says about, oh, this says a lot about Cleveland. No, that says a lot about Baltimore. Just like in this game, it says that listen, Baltimore and Buffalo had two good teams coming in, coming in at home, and one blew out, you know, and one could have won this game. Same thing. Dallas had the same problem. So one of the things is. And one of the things is, is that, and one of the things is, is that, look, if I tell you Buffalo had four turnovers and all the interceptions, Allen had three, but he got knocked out of the game, then you throw in Matt Barkley, 
Listen, they only allowed 224 yards of offense for New England. That's all they allowed. And and they lost. And, and listen, I saw the game pretty much cover to cover. And if I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, I, I'd be pissed. Because it's just like it's just like when you go on a date. And listen, if you're single, you should listen. If you're married, maybe turn your ear. Or maybe just keep one in. You know, listening is good. If you're going on a date and you take out take out your lady, take out your man, you take out whoever you take out, you know, you know, you think things are going great. You think things are going great. And oh well he or she oh we're having comfort, we're having dialogue. These great things. And then you don't hear from them again. That's Buffalo. Buffalo doing great things. But nothing, nobody's responding to it. And, and this is why. It's because something that you probably did just didn't work. And I think Buffalo's core problem is, listen, it's the interceptions. But listen, it's something going on where, listen, you had New England on the ropes, which may not happen a lot this season. You had them on the ropes. Like I said, New England's toughest game coming up is when they played the Cleveland Browns. Whoever thought I would say that or anybody say that. And they have them in Gillette Stadium. So, because they got to play Washington. They got to play the Jets. So, folks, they're good. They're going to be 6-7-0 and when they play when they play, when they they play play the Cleveland Browns. But listen, Buffalo is, you know, Buffalo, you take them out on a date. You know, everything's going great. It's going fine. And you don't hear from Buffalo again. Why? Because maybe Buffalo didn't have personality or maybe something didn't click. That's Buffalo. Something's not clicking there, and they got to figure that out. Because if you figure that out, they'll be fine. And speaking of things that I already figured out, folks, Chris told you last week about Michigan. Love you, buddy. And I'm telling you guys about Kurt kissing cousins. What have I told you, people? What have I told you? I had a friend of mine on Facebook. He said, you know, and I saw that, you know, I didn't listen. Bad luck. Bad luck happens. But how do you become resilient? Because you can't depend on everything in your life. Is everything? Listen, your life is bad luck. Some things may not bounce your way, but at some point we gotta acknowledge that sometimes we screw the pooch, and we gotta admit, America, the Minnesota Vikings screwed the pooch, making that guy sixty million dollars. This, the way Kirk Cousins is playing, makes Dak Prescott' point about getting paid a hell of a lot. Kirk Cousins, listen, he didn't have a bad game. The most attempts he's had combined this season, I believe, was 36 attempts he had in this game. 27 to 36, 233 yards. He got sacked six times. He got sacked six times. So, and you're thinking, okay, you know, so, listen, he played a great Bears defense. And, listen, I'll be the first guy to say, listen, I'll acknowledge that. He played a very good Bears defense. But folks, let's acknowledge this. Stephen Diggs had seven receptions and 108 yards. Adam Thielen, two receptions, six yards. That's it. That's it. And so people. 
are like, but yeah, that Adam Thielen. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what Adam Thielen said. And this is where I say I defend. Well, I want to tell you what Adam Thielen said, because most of you know it by now. Here's the thing. This is what Adam, listen, Adam Thielen said, because you know what, Minnesota scored one touchdown, and Thielen just had, listen, that was his lowest yardage since having zero catches on 18 snaps against the Colts back in 2016. Listen, this is what Adam Thielen said. And, and, and stop me if, he, if it doesn't sound anything like I said, but in a more not classier way. <laughs> he said, quote, at some point, you're not going to be able to run the ball for 180 yards, even with the best running back. That's when you have to be able to throw the ball. You have to be able to make plays. You have to be able to hit the deep ball. And listen, he disagreed with how it was came out, but listen. Cousins watched the film. Listen. Tell me what he said was wrong. Because I can't. Listen, that dude had his worst game since 2016. I put it like this. When I talk about my father, that's just like if we don't target Julio Jones. If, you know, if we don't target Jones at a minimum 10 times, something's wrong with the offense. Listen, when you have two good receivers, you have a good – listen, Dalvin Cook, people are going to throw eight in the box. And they're going to – and they're saying Kirk Cousins has to beat us. That's what? That's what the Bears did. That's what, listen, that's what Chuck, you know, Chuck Pagano and that Bears defense did. That's what they did. Show me where he was wrong. Because he wasn't. And then, like, oh, the, there's nothing, to, there's no edification I need. Listen, you want to know why? Listen, Cousins is 5 and 27. Yeah, it's that number after 4, but it's not quite 6. And that number, that's more than 26, but not quite 28. 5 and 27 as a starter versus teams with winning records. And there's seven opponents currently on their schedule that have a record above 500. If I'm a Vikings fan, that's a concern. And I said, people are like, I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is garbage. Listen, he, listen, statistically, statistically, Eli Manning last year had better stats than Kirk Cousins. And people say, oh, well, listen, Eli Manning had OBJ part of the season, but Kurt freaking Cousins, Kurt Kissing Cousins, he had Adam Thielen and Stephen Diggs. Hell, he had Kyle Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He had all these weapons, and you're telling me that Eli Manning still beat you? And yet people, you know, he's bad luck. Listen, I get it. Bad luck happens, like I said. But that's, it's, it's garbage. At some point in life, it's about accountability. Let's admit it, folks. Listen. And this is a point where I always say, look. You look at Andy Dalton, and you look at Kirk Cousins, the only difference is, listen, I saw this as a meme. Listen. Whoever, whoever Kirk Cousins' agent, listen. That, look, that guy can sell ice to an Eskimo. Andy Dalton probably came out of college. Because there's no way in the world you look at Andy Dalton's numbers, you look at Kirk Cousins' numbers, show me the difference. And I could argue Andy Dalton's a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Statistically, I'm right there, too. 
there's no excuse. Like, this is what, that's the point. And then Stephen Diggs, the reports that he wants to be traded. Listen, if I'm Jacksonville, get a weapon for, you know, Mr. Stash, Gardner Mishu, the second, who, by the way, throwing 69%, got the stash, check a YY, you get it, folks. Get him a, a, a legit, you know, a, miss you a number one target. Trade him for Jalen Ramsey. Maybe get a first, second round pick. Listen, to make that defense better, because they're not using Stephen Diggs. Stephen Diggs wants out. Folks, it's Kirk Cousins. That's why John, and listen, John Filippo, the way, is in Jacksonville. It makes too much sense. If I'm Tom Coughlin, I'm picking up the phone. If Jalen Ramsey doesn't want to be there, send him to Minnesota. Stephen Diggs doesn't want to be listen, Jalen doesn't want to be in Jacksonville, trade him. Stephen doesn't want to be in Minnesota, trade him. It makes a lot of sense for all the parties involved. And listen, I'm not gonna take and listen, Chase Daniel, I'm not gonna take nothing away. You're replacing an injured Mitchell Trubisky. Listen, 22 this is 22 or 30. 195, a touchdown on a sack. Listen, people say, oh, well, Kirk Cousins is the number. Listen, I ask you, well, who? Listen, the Bears' best receiver is Allen Robinson. He used to be a number one full circle. He used to be a number one receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Listen, that Bears' defense is good. Minnesota's defense is good. The only problem is, listen, even before Trubisky get hurt, if you gave me a choice between Kirk Cousins and Mr. Trubisky, that's like asking me. That's like asking me to choose between would I rather jog five miles or would I or would I would I essentially ride a bicycle five? Spoke. I don't want to do either. FYI, I'd probably ride the bike. Listen, these thighs. Listen, thick thighs save lives. <laughs> listen, thick, thick thighs also cause hole in pants. So I'm gonna leave it there. And speaking, of, you know, especially especially of leaving things there, Leonard Fournette left left things on the field that are just fantastic. Listen, twenty nine attempts, two hundred and twenty five yards. It was his first hundred yard game since December tenth, twenty seventeen. Like I say, Mister Stash himself. Listen, Gardner Mishu. Listen, nineteen to thirty three, two thirteen, two touchdowns. He had five sacks. Listen, the takeaway is simply this: a healthy Leonard Fournette. Benefits Gardner Minshew in the play action. A good running back helps you in play action. That's why I. This is why I harp on Kirk Cousins because you, you Dalvin Cook helps you set up the play action pass. But yet your numbers don't reflect it. Gardner Minshew, listen, if he gets a Leonard Fournette like this, maybe not two hundred yards, but you get him, you you get him enough carries and enough yardage per game. Listen to make the defense creep up a little. Boom, go over the top. Jacksonville could be a very good team, and it makes Nick Foles' return very interesting. And as for the other side, for the Denver Broncos, listen, they're 0-4. Listen, they're the victim of another Listen, They could be easily 2-2. Two two. Joe Flacco didn't have a terrible game in these, but listen, except that first game of Monday night, that was just awful. But here's, here, here's the problem with the Denver Broncos. And this and this is and it's a similar problem with my Atlanta Falcons, which I will get to, by the way. I'm definitely gonna get to them. Here here's the problem. Here's the most significant problem that I do have. Is that look, when you do hire defensive coaches, you have to have a good offensive staff. 
Bel- Belichick has shown it in the pros. Nick Saban has shown it in college. You know, here, here's the thing. This is nothing against Vic Fangio. This is on John Elway. You're a Hall of Fame quarterback, and you can't figure out the one position that you, your name is in the stadium. It's in the ring of honor. Listen, you couldn't hire the right coach. You haven't drafted the right quarterback. This is on John Elway. And at some point, John Elway steps aside. But look, how much do we need to see? Because the last guy who won a playoff game for them was the guy he kind of essentially ran a town in Tim Tebow. And listen, people say, oh, well, Tim Tebow. No, he ran Tim Tebow out of town because he wasn't a quarterback. Listen, John Elway was right. I'll admit that. But what? Who have they won a playoff game since? Oh, that's right. They haven't. Why? John Elway. We have to acknowledge that. Vance Joseph, sure. Maybe not the best coach, but it wasn't Vance Joseph. Listen, if you give a a, a quarterback to work with, listen, Mike Zimmer got stuck with Kurt freaking Cousins. And only one he had a job is because of that defense. Because if you put your job at Kurt Cousins, listen, it's like giving a reference. And listen, that riff makes you look bad. That's Kirk Cousins. Kirk Kissing Cousins, excuse me. And at the end of the day, Denver, listen, they blew a 14-point lead at home for the in a loss for the first time since 2006. Well, which is why I graduated high school. Listen, I'm, I've been talking about my age a lot, so you can't forget how old I am. That's on you. But Listen, I'm not going to say they're the best 0-4 team. They can easily be 2-2. Two two. I could argue if, listen, I'm not, listen, if they could just, listen, kickers kick. And listen, you know, Eddie Pino, the Bears had kicking troubles. Josh Lambeau's, you know, it's hard to put that and predicate it. But at the end of the day, I, I listen, kudos to Jacksonville. Be interested to see how they play from this point on. Speaking of, speaking of this point on, what I'm seeing from this point on for the Kansas City Chiefs, listen, I see them right in it. Listen, the way the way the Chargers are playing, listen, being up on the Dolphins, good for them. Clap, clap. But listen, Pat Mahomes, 24-42, 315 yards. Matthew Stanford, 21 to 34, 291, four sacks. I could argue the game could have easily went the other way. The Lions are a scruffy team. Listen, they they beat the Eagles in Philly. Listen, the Lions are, aren't a terrible team. It's listen, it's figuring out closing games. It, you know, they have the opposite problem Denver has. Denver just can't close out games. And listen, oh. And if I but if I'm a Lions fan, listen. If I'm Matt Stafford, listen. You got Carryon Johnson, 26 attempts, 125. And listen, Pat Mahomes has two good running backs, Darrell Williams. Listen, eight eight rushes, 13 yards, two touchdowns. Lashawn the real McCoy, 16 attempts, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Listen, my takeaway from the first quarter season, Pat Mahomes is the, is the MVP. Listen, and it's very hard to win back with an MVP. But listen, this is just the first quarter of the season, and they're and listen, they're putting up numbers already. Kansas City Chiefs, listen, Andy Reid. This is probably, and I said it. I think I said it early on. They're one of the earlier episodes. 
This is Andy Reid's best shot to win a Super Bowl. In the you, if you want to call it the Patriots dynasty, whatever, whatever in the world you want to call it, it's the best chance he has. And so, it's the best chance that he has. And you know, speaking of best chances, you know, talk about college. You talk about little college football. First of all, once again, thank you for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. Listen, once again, it's Sports in the World on Twitter and Instagram. And Sports in the World on Facebook. And I want to talk about talk about college. And here's the thing. This is this is what I learned in week five. Listen, Virginia, Notre Dame, listen. Notre Dame kept it close. Listen, Bryce Perkins, listen, he wasn't bad. He threw for 334 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, his receivers, Dubois and Reed, listen, both had 100 yards receiving. Like I say, Notre Dame is facing Notre Dame right now. Listen, people like, and if Chris was here, he'd probably say he's overrated. But listen, they showed me a lot when they played Georgia. Because that line, listen, and that's another thing. These college lines are ridiculous. I think it was 13 and a half. I'm like, folks, that's disrespectful to know. Listen, if you, this is what I say. You got to put you got to put your feelings aside. Notre Dame is not a bad team. They may play bad teams, but they're not a bad team. Now, listen, I learned more about Notre Dame's defense. Listen, Okara and Kareem, they have and a half sacks, and they have five turnovers. And listen, there were moments where Virginia could have made this a, a, a closer game than 35-20. But in South Bend, it's very hard to win. And, and I so, But they put up a very valiant effort. I still think Virginia is still in the hunt when they, after seeing the way, after seeing the way Clemson played, and we'll get to that. And here's the thing. Before I go, listen, here's the tale of the tape. Yards, Virginia only had four yards rushing. Notre Dame had 178. And at the end of the day, was told the greater tale of this game. And listen, and speaking of what told the greater tale of the game, is the when we I'm gonna talk about Penn State and Maryland. Speaking of a game that really said a lot, I really didn't pick this game to pick last week. You know, because I knew Penn State was going to just run, the, you know, run the doors off of Maryland. But listen, Penn State, 622, Maryland's 128. Maryland was the one-hit wonder, folks. They were the Macarena, and 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 they just disappeared. Listen, Maryland only had 10 first downs cut out for the seventh time in school history. And mind you, they were in the ACC. They were shut out by Florida State twice. Notre Dame, you know, and twice in the Big Ten, with Michigan, Iowa, and then now Penn State. So, so the shutout six times, excuse me. Listen, Penn State's one of those teams where, look, James Franklin, but listen, got Tommy Steve. Listen, this was supposed to be a lot of rebuilding. And James Franklin, it's quite frankly, he's doing a hell of a job. So I give him a lot of credit there. And speaking about giving a lot of credit, I gave a lot of credit to Duke. Play Virginia Tech, listen, 
45 to 10. I mean, it's not 59 nothing Maryland, the way Maryland, you know, got shellacked by Penn State 59 to nothing. 25, Virginia Tech 10. Listen, this is all you need to know. For Duke, this is the 36th time under Cutcliffe they've scored 40 or more points, and he's been there 10 plus seasons. So they average. So they average a three games where they go 40 or more. So, and that's fine by me. You know, listen, Quentin Harris had a hundred and he had over 160 yards passing and over 100 yards rushing. I like Quentin Harris. I'm not saying he, NFL prospect, we'll see, but I really like his game. He accounted for three. For Virginia Tech, 14 first downs, allowed 422 yards of offense. And, it's, and, that was, and that's been the 18th time under Justin Fuente allowing 420 plus yards of defense, and that's since 2016. That's a lot of yards that you've allowed 16 times. Excuse me, 18 times since 2016 that you've allowed 420 yards. Listen, you're in the ACC. And listen, there's offense there, but that's no excuse because when I think of Virginia Tech, I think of Frank Beamer, I think of Bud Foster, I think of great defense. It ain't showing there. It ain't showing there. Speaking of things that ain't showing there, Charlie Strong's defense at USF. Listen, SMU, listen, they 48-21, listen. I can tell you about Shane Bouchelle, the the Texas transfer. But listen, I'm going to tell you about the running back that Sonny Dykes has and Xavier Jones. He had 15 attempts, 155 yards, two touchdowns. Listen. Listen, and I, listen, they're in the same conference as I think they're in the same conference as UCF. We play in the <laughs> conference. Listen, I know it's the American Athletic Conference, but you, you vote. Chris, Chris gets the joke. He's probably laughing when he listens to it. He's probably laughing. But I want to talk about USF. Listen, USF, this is the 15th time allowing 400 yards of office under Charlie Strong. He took the job in 2017. All the, and, the, and then the years that he was at Texas from 14, 24 to 2016, he allowed he had twenty such games. And and I'm not saying Charles Jones out the door, but that his calling card is defense. This is what I say. Just I look at Wisconsin. Wisconsin outside of Jonathan Taylor is not a great offensive team. But they're great defense. And listen, they what makes them great is that defense and that they can run the ball. That's it. So Charlie Strong has to get the running game. He has to to find a way to stop people. Because at the end of the day, you know, I don't care who's that quarterback. If you can't produce but 21 points, and listen, SMU is not a defensive juggernaut. So, and speaking of defensive juggernauts, listen, South Carolina, you know, ending the five-year streak 24-7 over Kentucky. Kentucky didn't score until two minutes and 32 seconds in the fourth quarter. Listen, I understand Sawyer Smith, the you know, the transfer from Troy. You heard me talk about him. But folks, here's the thing. They only had nine first downs and they're 0 3 in the SEC. Listen, Mark Stu's job's gotta be on the line. And we're like, oh Darius, you know, he lost his quarterback. Listen, Dan Mullen lost Felipe Franks. And it's fine. And I'll get to that Auburn Florida game when we talk about the week six preview. My games to look out for. But that's no excuses. Like I always say this excuses are the tools for incompetence. That leads to monuments, to nothing. Because you're just building excuses and you're just building a whole bunch of nothing. As for South Carolina, snaps the five-game losing streak. 
and now create something interesting for South Carolina. It creates a schedule. Listen, I'm not saying they're going to run the gamut, but a strong showing here convinces me that they will retain Will Muschamp. That's what it shows me. And at the end of the day, listen, he's playing with a backup quarterback and is defensively strong. Will Muschamp, champ, see what I did there, is a hell of a coach. But that's where the problem lies in is, listen, offensively, but listen, they figured it out when they needed to. Speaking of figuring it out, let me tell you something. Alabama at Ole Miss, Alabama hanging 59 points. I think that that's definitely one of the high. Listen, I'm not surprised that, you know, because of Alabama in the ring, Ole Miss 31 points. Listen, Ole Miss, they have 477 yards of offense. John Reese Plumley is he related to Mason Plumley? We'll get some of the stats to work about. Listen, he went 10 to 28, 141 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. And listen, he ran the ball 25 times too, 409 yards and two touchdowns. So it was basically the John Reese Plumley highlight reel. But speaking of highlight reels, let me talk about Tua, who I put on my Heisman list. And I'm looking pretty good now. 26 of 36, 418 yards, six touchdowns. This is the fifth game. And Nick Saban, I believe, took this job back in 2007. This is the fifth game under Saban with his 400 yards passing. And three of those games belong to Tua. That's how transformational this dude is. This is the guy who I say... You're going to look at Justin Herbert, but you need to look at Tua. And listen, Alabama quarterbacks historically, but he's not any typical quarterback. I'm not saying he's going to be like an Andrew Luck or he's going to change your franchise. If you get to the right team in the right system, this is what teams like the Dolphins and the Bengals, the teams that are in the in the gutters now are looking at. They're looking at Tua. If they don't have a quarterback, they're looking at Tua and saying, this is the guy we're playing for. Because if that defense, listen, they're reloaded. And listen, they give up a lot of, listen, they gave up 477 yards of Nick Saban defense. He's going to rip into that. But this offense, we're thinking they run the ball. Their third string receiver had three touchdowns in this game. Jerry Judy had a great game. But this, listen, this is what I say. This is why I put Alabama slightly ahead of Clemson. Once again, we're getting, building the climax. Like, with Usher, we're going to reach that climax real quick here. With my Clemson point. But folks, Alabama has found a new way to beat you, and his name is Tua. His name is Tua. This is why Jalen Hurts is in Oklahoma, and he's just blowing the doors off of people there. And blowing the doors off, listen, Ohio State, Nebraska, listen, Ohio State 48, Nebraska 7. Ohio State, listen, they played FAU, Cincy, Indiana, Miami, Ohio, and Nebraska. So, for those scoring home, if you didn't hear me, they're playing. They played Wasamana U. They played, let's see, the California Penal League. That college from, listen, they played that high school in Friday Night Lights, that high school in Varsity Blues. They played me and 10 other dudes we found on the street. That's who they played. And they outscored them 262 to 43. And listen, I'm not knocking who they scheduled their, you know, their non-conference. But listen, their non-conference is FAU, Cincy, Miami, Ohio. Listen, okay. And listen, that's great. 
But for Nebraska, 47 passing yards. That's the 10th time in school history. We they thrown under 50 yards passing. That's the last game they had since December of 09. And I defended Scott Frost. I really have. But I can't defend this. You have Adrian Martinez, and that's what you give me? He's on my list, and listen, he's off the list. But listen, everybody else at this point, Jonathan Taylor, Jalen Hurts, Tua. And and I put this dude on the list. Listen, if he keeps... I'm not going to say Scott Frost is out. I don't believe in firing coaches because it takes time to rebuild a program. But at some point, Scott Frost needs to fix this. This is the Big Ten. You got to figure out. This ain't the <coughs> conference. You got to fix it. And speaking of things that need to be fixed, here we go, folks. Clemson at USC. Excuse me, UNC. Clemson won by the hair of their skinny skin skin. 21 to 20. Clemson, they're 9 and 23 in games where they scored 21 points or less. 9 and 23. Since, since old Dabble took over. Like Dabble took over the in 08. And listen, if I this is this is UN this is North Carolina's stat line on the season. They're nine of eleven on fourth down. And listen, they're seventeen and seventeen in the red zone, ten touchdowns, seven field goals. They only had three penalties the whole game. This is how you beat the number one team in the country. In Chapel Hill. You had it there. And everybody's questioning, oh, well, should he have gone for it? Should he? And, and listen, this is where I defend. I'm going to defend Mac Brown. Look, Mac Brown, If when I just told you that, listen, they're 17-7 in the red zone and they score in the red zone, you take chances because I look at it this way. Think of it as a boxing match or a UFC fight. The longer it goes... It, you, it, it favors it favors the listen it favors the better fighter listen whether it's UFC whether it's Colin you know whether it's Conor McGregor whether it's Khabib Cain Velasquez or boxing whether it's Floyd Mayweather listen it favors the better fighter the longer the fight. Floyd Mayweather doesn't get doesn't have to have a knockout he knows he can win a decision it is very rare a decision will favor the opponent. It's very rare in games like this where you pull an upset in overtime because, listen, they're going to figure it out. Clemson would have figured it out, even in Trevor Lawrence is probably not his worst game. But I think this is the wake-up call Clemson needs. And this is why SEC is the second-best conference. Right behind the SEC because this is what happened. By the way, UNC lost to Appalachian State. Listen, they lost to Appalachian State in that same stadium a week ago before this. So what does that tell me? The ACC is tough. When you play in conference, it's tough. It's absolutely tough. And once again, if you have any comments or thoughts on that, I shared the, the voice link where you can leave a message on the show, thoughts, opinions, what I talk about. Or what once again what Chris talks about as well. On the link, you click it. We're playing on the show. Also the social media at Sports the World Twitter and Instagram. And on Facebook Sports in the World. Now I want to talk about a critical week six in college. 
that this is the point where from this game, from this point on, oh, you're gonna start seeing contenders versus the pretenders, folks. You're gonna you're gonna start seeing you're gonna start seeing the Britneys and Britney Spears and the Mariah Carey versus the Mandy Moores. Alright? You're gonna see the pretenders. Listen. You're gonna start seeing pretenders, contenders. Listen. listen. And I wanna talk right at listen. Auburn number seven head at the swamp. And they're favored by two versus Florida. Listen, Auburn, they're twenty second in total defense. They're 32nd in point, total points allowed. They allow about 320 yards. And listen, in points per game, they give up about 17 points a game. Auburn's defense is super critical. And and one of the things is that, listen, I understand. And I, and I can sit here and say with a straight face that, listen, as a Gator fan, you know, I look at this game and I go, this is the game of games. And I say, Look, three thirty. It's the best SEC game. And listen, and what I'm also gonna say, listen, Bo, listen, Bo Nix. This, this is the game. Listen, Bo Nix. Listen, fifty-seven percent. Listen, ninety eighty yards, seven touchdowns. So Gus Malzahn has this dude playing the type of game that he needs to play. Gus Malzahn, listen, he's a hell of a football coach. Great offensive mind. But let me tell you about Florida. Florida's fifth in total defense. They're 18th in total yards allowed. Only allow eight points a game. People say, oh, well, you played Tennessee and you played Kentucky. Like, stop. And this is my point. You Listen, listen. when you had guys like Henderson and Zeninga, I don't know if they'll be playing or not. But listen, folks, it was great. Todd Grantham has his defense playing at that level. So... At the end of the day, you, you're opposed to who you are, but I could argue we played a tougher schedule than when I read those Ohio State schedule. That's in our conference. And listen, in Ohio State, that's when the test is going to come. Florida, the test is going to come. They got to play LSU after this. Then they got to play South Carolina, and they got to play, and we play Georgia in Jacksonville. And listen, Kyle Trask, Taking over for Felipe Franks, listen, I walk away, he's throwing 77.3%, 647 yards, five touchdowns, two picks, and he has two rushing touchdowns. This is a game of offensive minds. It's going to come down to which of these defenses. Because on paper, it's mad. And I get why you slightly favor Auburn. I get it because Auburn beat, I think, them in that neutral side game against Oregon. I get it. But... One of the things is is that, listen, Auburn blew the doors off Mississippi State, who I really like with Joe Moorhead, and I get all of that. But this is what I say, and this is where I always defend. Like, I feel like I defend Florida like I'm a prosecutor. People say, oh, well, the SEC, you don't play. Listen, Kyle Trask has played well under the circuit, and Dan Mullen, he's going to explain, he's going to explain, he's going to expand the playbook. You're going to see a lot of Van Jefferson. Listen, do we need to run the ball with P. Ryan? And to, yeah, we do. We need to run the ball more. I get the offensive line is concerned. I'm not the only one in Gator Nation who feels that way. But what I will say is this. If we can figure out a way to run the football, and make and listen, even if we have to run east and west and not north and south, we can find a way. F- Florida can win, and I'm going to pick them to win. Not because, Listen, I, I believe in Florida. Listen, and we, we want to know why? Listen, 
We're 12 and 5 in matches, in top 10 matches in the swamp. And under Dan Mullen last year, we were 3 and 1 versus ranked opponents, including 2 and 1, 2 and 1 versus the top 10. Remember when we blew the doors off that team? I sold that stock in, that team in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I sold the stock on them. Listen, from 2018, excuse me, from 2010 to 2017, this was when we had to do with the Mush Chump and the, the McElwain and all that great stuff. You know what? You know what we were? Five and eleven versus top ten, and nine and twenty-six versus ranked opponent. It's the Dan Mullen effect. Dan Mullen's the right coach for this team in this right situation. You have big game. Listen, big game, Dan. Listen, I know Dan the man is Dan Marino, but listen, folks, Dan the man. If he can find a way to pull up off, listen, one game at a time, we can figure that out. We can pull that out. Speaking of things that I pulled out of, I pulled out of the Michigan stock, like I said. They're playing an Iowa team. Listen, Iowa at Michigan. Iowa, they're 10th in rush yards allowed, 70 and a half. 18 and a half pass yards allowed, well, 172 and a half. Michigan, they're 47th in pass yards. That's not bad, but they can't run the damn ball. Excuse my French. 95th in rush yards. They can't run the ball. They don't have balance. And I sold my stock at Jim. Listen, folks, it's like this. I watch a lot of Lifetime movies, full discretion. And I and listen, and I watch them because I know it's going to happen. But I watch anyway. It's it's like, and listen, Chris, it's just like, if you can imagine what Chris is telling me, he's telling me, listen, Michigan is overrated the government. But I say, but Chris, Jim Harbaugh, I love Jim Harbaugh. He wouldn't let me down. And Chris is like, yes, he will. And then, like in a Lifetime movie, it's like when they say, oh, it's like when the man tells the woman, oh, I'm going to leave my wife, and he never does. It never happens. And once again, if the life of the movie ended up where he actually does leave the wife, I'd, I'd sell a lifetime. Kudos. But it doesn't happen that way. Chris, listen, he told what's going to happen. He gave me, that's reality. That's reality. Not lifetime, that's reality. Michigan, and they're favored by seven. Listen, if the, listen, this Shea Patterson has to figure it out. This defense has to figure it out. Because listen, this Iowa defense is no joke. Uh, they got a senior quarterback in Nate Stanley. So this is going to be a close game. And you know what? I'm just going to say, I, I'm not going to say I'm going to pick. I'm pulling a Switzerland, I'm going neutral. And speaking of maybe going neutral, listen, Michigan State, number 25 Michigan State at number four Ohio State, 19 and a half favorites. 19 and a half. Derek probably somewhere screaming somewhere on the top of his lung. And I think that this line is very reminiscent of when Texas A&M at Clemson. What did I say then? That line's too big. What did I say about Notre Dame and Georgia? That line is too big. The line is too big. Why well, could listen? I gave a listen. Michigan offensively, they only had what one offensive touchdown the first three. Now they're figuring out the score of the football. Brian Lewerke. Now they're figuring it out. That defense, they're 14th in the country in points allowed. They're seventh in total offense allowed. They allow 254 yards a game. Ohio State, the last loss to Michigan State was 2015. They're 13 and six, and both are ranked. And listen, this game has significance in the Big Ten. Why? Because the winner of it will be atop the Big Ten East at 3-0. and 
And listen, I gave I gave a I chewed in to Mark D'Antonio after that loss to Arizona State in a game they could have won. You don't blame your kicker. You blame the decisions you made. Cause listen, last time I checked, you don't have a helmet on. You don't get to now because they're doing what you told them to do. Listen, they turn it around offensively, albeit against some opponents. But listen, you need those type of games to figure it out, like Florida had with Townsend last week. Figure out the kinks to figure out the certain things. I'm telling people, Ohio State may win this game, but it's going to be super close. I think Mark D'Antonio understands that, listen, he needs a win on this schedule to, to get this team confident. Listen, as bad as they played, they can still be atop the Big Ten East. They can still be atop the Big Ten East. That's what goes to show you the Big Ten East. As bad, listen, this is the same Michigan State team that lost to an Arizona State team that, that listen, 10-7. to 7. And I understand, oh, well, J.K. Dobbins and all of it. But when I tell you their toughest opponent was Nebraska and they blew Nebraska out of the water, that goes to show you that they didn't play anybody. Listen, if that Cincinnati game was maybe in Cincinnati, that game might not have been like that. But games that shouldn't be like that, but it could be Cal at at Oregon. Oregon favored at 16 and a half. I think that's that may be about right because Cal's out with the back Chase Garber and they're 10th in the Pac-12 in points per game. Look, but they got rely they got a good running back in Christopher Brown Jr. 90, 91 attempts, 380 over 380 yards rushing and three touchdowns. And that part I get. So I'm not super upset about that. Because listen, with Oregon, the best defense in the Pac-12, I've never said that. That's like me saying, oh, God. What is, what, that's like me saying Cardi B's better than Minaj. I can't say it. And listen, go on social media, blast me for it. Because I know you will. Because listen, it doesn't make sense. Just like that. Listen, they played Auburn. Who they lost to. They played Nevada, Montana, and Stanford. Folks. First of all, I didn't know Montana. That's the only school in Montana. There's a Montana State. How do you recruit players there? But anyway. But the point is, is that Mario Cristobal and Justin Herbert. Listen. They got to blow the doors off of Cal. The Pac-12 was a mess. Listen. The best team that was in the Pac-12, Utah, lost to USC, in my opinion. Washington lost to Cal. It's a lot of mess to figure out. It's a lot of mess to figure out. And if Oregon can win, listen, it makes that matchup against Washington probably play for a Pac-12 championship spot. Or it could be a pre, depending. You know how they do it, folks. And speaking of things that, you know, how can I put this? How I just said earlier about, you know, speaking the thing you don't understand. Listen, I don't understand how UCF, listen, listen, they're three and a half favorite versus Cincinnati. They play Cincy on Friday. Here's the thing. Listen, for UCF fans, you want some great news? I love giving out great news. Great news? You have 18 straight <laughs> conference games. You know, you've won 18 straight of them. Three in a row against Cincy. Good for you. Thumbs up. 
listen. Oh, by the way, Pitt barely beat Delaware. Keep that in mind. Here's the thing about Cincy. Cincy, they won nine in a row at Nippert Stadium, including UCLA. It's a night game, so, you know, night games are tricky. I'm going to go with Cincy. I think that UCF, people say, oh, you're just being, the, you know, you're just being the atypical antithesis. And no, I, I told you, folks, this is the toughest schedule UCF had in, what, th- three years in Power 5 schools, and they lost, they went one and one. I said a loss makes them plummet because they're non-powered. They got to start blowing dudes out of the water. If you're a, this is a quick tip. If you're a non-power five school, you have to think of the BCS model. Do what Miami, do what those schools did with the BCS system. You, like what Boise State did. You got to blow teams out of the water. I'm, I'm not talking about like 20. You got to think about like 40. But then like, okay, well, this team can show up. And you may get demolished in the New Year's Day bowl game. But the fact that you can get to a New Year's Day bowl game, now they can't because they lost to Pitt, who almost lost to Delaware. So keep that in mind. And speaking of, and speaking of, and speaking of schools that you know nobody really talks about, but sh- but in this case they should. Baylor at Kansas, at Kansas State. Look, Baylor they're four and zero, and so is Oklahoma. Here's the thing, their quarterback. Charlie Brewer, 79 to one, you know, out of 119, 66% completion, 972 yards, 10 touchdowns. Matt Rule, he got a four-year extension. So did Matt Rule, the AD. Listen, Baylor, all that scandal, all that with Art Bryles in the past, moving forward. That school over the last, like, 10, 15 years, a lot of things in that school. And I'm happy to see Baylor at 4-0, you know, cleaning it up and getting it right. But listen, no Bill Snyder. Listen, Chris Kleiman, the first-year coach. Listen, to have Kansas State, listen, having them, have them to position to where they're at makes it a very – listen, they're favored by three to win this. And listen, Skyler Thompson, listen, 47 of 76, 61%, 604 yards, four touchdowns, he has two rushing ones. Listen, this is a very interesting ball game. It may not be that high-scoring – but what we, we may see more running, more rushing, because, listen, Baylor this season has had nine different players scored rushing touchdowns. Kansas State's at six. So expect a very good balanced game of pass and run. Because, let's face it, these teams, like, and you're in the Big 12. It's not about Oklahoma. We talk about Oklahoma. We talk about Jalen Hurts. We talk about, we, we talk about, oh, we talk about Jalen Hurts a great deal. And we talk about Sam Ellinger. You know, we you know we we talk. About, I can't think of the name of the Oklahoma State quarterback. It's not coming to me right now, and I apologize. We talk about those guys, but this this will be a very interesting matchup because listen, if the Oklahoma Texas game, the loser of that game, makes it interesting because one of these teams could be undefeated at the point where I think one of them play the other, makes it interesting. So, and it makes it, to me, very interesting. And speaking of things that are interesting, interesting on the back end, stick around because I'm going to blast the Atlanta Falcons. Stick around for that. It's going to be great fun because I want to say that for the end. I'm like, should I do it with my football stuff? Like, no, I'm going to save it 
because I'm going all in on them. But what I do want to give you is some fantasy football from a guy who's somehow still undefeated. I'm not going to jinx him. Which reminds me, I have to start Russell Wilson. So, but I'm going to give you some fantasy football and, you know, some starting, setting, and a couple of sleepers. So, when we look at uh, my first start, listen, you got to absolutely start Julian Edelman versus Washington. It, 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 listen, these are all PPR based, by the way. It's not so; it's all PPR. So if you're in a PPR league, listen. Even non PPR, use discretion. This is a for PPR driven leagues, like the leagues I'm in, or the one of the leagues that I'm in. So, so Julian Element, listen. Washington, they get up the fifth most fantasy points to slot receivers. Listen, Washington is a hot mess. They're an absolute unequivocal hot mess right now. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Listen, I say specifically start your slot receivers simply because Washington has no answers on the defense. And there's a good shot that it could be, it could very well be Jay Gruden's last game as the coach of the Washington Redskins. Sigma wide receivers, Larry Fitzgerald in Washington playing, excuse me, for Arizona playing Cincinnati. You saw a bad Cincinnati played. It was like, I'll put it this way. It was like watching a marriage proposal and the, and the, and the other person says no. And you want to feel bad, like, oh, man, that sucks. But in a way, you're like, okay, yeah. It was grat- it's gratifying to watch. That's Cincinnati. Listen, I didn't want to watch Cincinnati get destroyed. Because, listen, anything without Marvin Lewis was fine by me. But listen, let me tell you about Cincinnati. Listen, they've allowed three touchdowns to slot receivers. And two of the receivers are in the top ten in fantasy points. So, and listen, Kyler Murray, who's also a sleeper for a quarterback, hint, hint. You know, think about that on that end. And speaking of guys who I'm just sold on, like with Larry, listen, I'm sold on Jameis versus the Saints. I'm not saying the Bucks are going to win outright. What I'm saying is they've allowed the eighth most, mate, eight, I sound like Mike Mate Moose, the eighth most yards passing in the league. They allowed over 1,100 yards passing so far. Jameis just hung up, hung up over, three, over 350 yards. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. This game could be an absolute shootout, or this game could be a block. I think the Bucks offense is clicking. If that defense can make stop, I said the same thing even last year before, you know, pre Bruce Arians. If that defense can make enough plays, the Bucks listen, they can pull out one good listen. But my biggest doubt is that if the Dallas Cowboys couldn't do it, and they didn't score it, and listen, and these Saints didn't score a touchdown, that Saints defense, they can stop the run. But I could argue, listen, the Bucks offense may be slightly, slightly better. And that's maybe it's hashtag unpopular opinion. Maybe had a better offense than Dallas Cowboys. And I'm not saying that it's a better team, it's the better offense right now. The first quarter of the season, folks. So don't don't jump on the back. Speaking of speaking of good teams, Jacoby Brissett for the Colts, start him versus the Chiefs. Once again, it's one of those matchups where I may not expect them to win, but the Chiefs have a has have allowed 270, 276 and a half passing yards, almost 20 points each game this season versus opposing quarterbacks. So they've allowed over 20 points of fantasy, 20 fantasy points to every quarterback they've played. 
stardom. Because the Chiefs, listen, they're going to give up a lot of points and a lot of yards. Just stardom for your league. If you have them, don't, depending who, if you have, if you have Jameis Winston or the next guy, Tom Brady, big shot there. Listen, Washington was getting 10 touchdowns and over 21 fantasy points. Listen, they allowed to quarterbacks. Simple. Tom Brady, I think this is a rebound game. He's going to blow teams out. He's going to blow up the water. I think, you know, I just feel bad for listening. If I read the report, like, Jay Green got no game plan. I'm like, listen, bro, I get it. It's like it's like you're winging it. You're like, all right. It's like, oh, what's your dinner plan? Oh, we're just winging it. That They're winging it. All right. That, it, it's a life version of winging it. Jay Green said, I may have a job next week. I don't care. He can be like an office space where he just messes up the place. It doesn't matter. He's not going to have a job. And also, like I said, a sleeper, Kyler Murray. I like the matchup with Cincinnati. I like listen, I like Kyler Murray the last couple of weeks. He surprised me. And also, if you have Russell Wilson, I'd consider him as well. If you're starting him as well. And here's the thing. Some guys you need to sit. Sit Corey Davis tennis, for Tennessee when he plays the Bills. So the Bills, did. they only allow 144 yards and 30, 30 fantasy points. Per game versus wide receiver, and I'm saying, oh, well, why are you having to set? Because look what they did to Julian Edelman. People are like, well, Darius, you know, I would start him right now. I would say sit him because Tennessee, that offense in general, can Marcus Mariota get the ball to court? Listen, if they were able to confuse Tom Brady, Marcus Mariota is, in no disrespect, chump change. Jarvis Landry, Browns versus the Niners, that great Monday night game we all know we want to watch. Listen, that matchup versus, listen, Jarvis Landry would match up with Kawan Williams, the corner, according to PFF, Pro Fantasy Focus. That's the third toughest matchup during the week. And listen, and I'm not saying, well, should you start OBJ against Richard Sherman? Listen, I suggest, like, don't, I, if you have Nick Chubb, I'd consider that even maybe Baker, but I would say you sit Baker too. I would say if, you know, Nick Chubb is maybe your best option to start. That Niners defense is very good. Listen, I talk about him a lot. As great as Sean, Kyle Shannon and Jimmy G is, listen, that defense is very good. A lot of, like, Solomon Thomas, Eric, there's a lot of first-round talent on it. So, and speaking of talent, listen, Daniel Jones, you know, you know Danny Dimes, well, he listen. Danny's going to be worth Buckus Cinnamon against Minnesota. They've surrendered an average of 15.3 fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Listen, Vikings defense is legit. Kirk kissing cousins. Listen, hint, hint, don't start his ass either. Excuse my French. I know I'm going off the rails, but I have to because, listen, any, folks, anytime you bring up Kirk Cousins on this show, folks, and then I'm going to lose it with the foul. Listen, it's that type of day. And then lastly, Derek Carr sit him against the Bears for the same reason, pretty much, said Daniel Jones. For the Bears, listen, they've allowed four touchdown passes and average of 11.9 fantasy points to quarterbacks. Sit him. And if you're looking for some sleepers, I'm going to give you Cardinals defense against the Bengals. And I'm going to give you also Daryl Williams for the Colts. Because like I said, you could, you, if you have Shady McCoy, I'd start him as well. And folks, it's pretty obvious, I should tell you, Start McCaffrey, start Pat Mahomes, 
Pat Magic. Start him. I think it's pretty obvious to start that. And and also speaking of things that are obvious, well, I'm obvious there was just baseball going on, so I'm, I couldn't go by without talking about a little baseball. Listen, by the way, of the eight teams that you know, the eight teams that were qualified, the only one that didn't make it were my Cubs, and that's what that's a kick in the groin. That's like that's what would Lucy pull the football away from Charlie Brown, that type of feeling. Listen, you got the Astros, Dodgers, the Nets, the, the Yanks, the Twins, the Cards. The Braves and the Rays, who won their game, congrats. I saw that game. Boy, listen, Charlie Moore and that guy's filth. And listen, right now, the odds are, listen, the Astros have the best odds at 32%. The worst odds are tied between the Braves and the Rays. And this is and these are how the lineups are ranked before I give you my pick. Listen, for lineups and pitching, they have Astros in terms of the eight teams. They think the lineups and the pitching, the best goes to the Astros. So that lets you know that's why they're the favorite. For the Dodgers, they have the third best lineup. The pitching is the second. For the Nats, the sixth best lineup and the fourth best pitching. For the Yanks, the second best lineup and the fifth best pitching. And for the Twins, it's the fourth best lineup and the seventh best pitching. For the Cards, it's the eighth lineup, sixth pitching. For the Braves, fifth lineup, eighth pitching. For the Rays, seventh lineup, and third pitching. And, and and for the record, I'm gonna tell you right now, you know, I do believe I do believe in good pitching, but listen, this is the year of offense. And if there's anything, I mean, and the rock means anything. <laughs> if anything is that listen, I've all and I'm gonna stand by what I initially felt. I felt the Yankees. Getting a healthy Giancarlo Stanton, that's big with Aaron Judge. Listen, this team has overachieved all year long. And I think of all these teams, the most pressure falls on the Astros and the Dodgers. If I had to say the Dodgers more. But listen, if Dave Roberts, if this team does not get to the World Series, I think Dave Roberts may be the next man looking for a job. I really do. And he's a good dude. He's a smart guy. He got into the World Series last year. They got, he got outmanaged by Alex Cora. But, and once again, if they don't make it this year, it's an indictment on, on listen, so it's just an indictment on the listen. When you have the third best lineup and you have the second best pitching, listen, you have Ryu and you got Walker Bueller going in the NLDS. You got Clayton Kershaw, you got Kelly Jansen on the back end. Listen, yeah, the pitching is fantastic. My question with the Dodgers is the consistency in their playing in October. That's all, you could listen, a lot of those dudes, they just didn't show up. They just didn't show up in. They just didn't flat out show up in. In October. And listen, my favorite. And listen, my favorite is, and it's simply put, my favorite is. I like the Yankees. I like the Yankees. Listen, like I say, I like the Yankees versus the Astros. Because I look at the AL, listen, if you're telling me you got the Astros, as good as they are, I think at some point, I think the Yankees, the pitching, and I talk, you know, they're not going to have, I think they're not going to have Severino for the domestic violence, I believe, or German, I can't remember which. 
But I think Sabathia is not a, he's not playing in the ALDS. These get healthy. I think they're I think they're going to get past, and and I, don't, I think they're going to get past the Twins. I do believe that because they're going to have more games. So I do believe that Aaron Boone has all year has made this lineup so good. He's manager of the year. We could argue Rocco Baldelli. We could argue AJ Hinch, but. What he did with this lineup. This dude, and I go back to what Eric Carroll said, and I said it on one of the previous episodes. If he were to tell you that they lost the 29 dudes in the season, the most in baseball, and they'd be in first place, at that point, he'd said, you're, you're kidding. And they are. Now, to me, that pitching, yeah, the pitching does concern me, but if we've learned anything, Justin Verlander, I think he's in the top five of home runs allowed. I don't want to misquote that, but I'm pretty sure he is. Here's the thing. No disrespect to, to the Rays or the Braves. I just think the Braves don't, don't have enough pitching. That's why they're eighth. Quite frankly, I just don't think the Cards have enough offense, even with, with Goldschmidt, Colton Wong, and Matt Wieters. I don't think there's enough there. I like, I like the Yankees. I like Yankees. You know what? I like Yankees-Dodgers. It always leads to the league because you look at the odds. The Dodgers have the, have the best odds among National League teams at 23%. The Nats at 14 That's a draconian drop. I like the Yankees because I think the Astros, call, call it a hunch. Call it a hunch. Call it a feeling. I think that Aaron Boone, I, it comes down to managers. Who's been the best manager, I think, out of this list? I, it's Aaron Boone. I think Aaron Boone's a hell of a manager. I think I really like him. Give me, give me the Yanks. Give me the Yanks in six in the World Series. And speaking of things of giving, I'm going to give you guys my my UFC match happening this weekend. I will post that on the office on the Sports in the World Facebook page. I will post it there with all the magic. I'm rooting for my girl Joanna Jezrick. You know, I'm already picking her, so. Hint, hint, give your money to Vegas and you're welcome. Now, before we close out, you know, just one more thing. I promised you I was going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. And look, we're one in three. And listen, these are facts. We've outscored every opponent in total yards. We've outscored. You know, we give up the most yards to the Colts, 394 and the least amount to the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, we got 269 yards. Matt Ryan leads the NFL in completion, passing attempts, and he's fifth. He's fifth. He's fifth in the league at 70.5% in completion percentage. But he's tied for first in interceptions with six. We can't run the ball. We're 27th in rush yards a game at 70.2. We're tied for 26 per game. We're tied with the Denver friggin' Broncos at 17 and a half. And like I say, negative five, turnover margin, and you know, all of that, all of that. And and look, and I, and I said it on the, and I and I and I kind of touched on it there. You know, I'm going to reiterate more before we close out. Look, when you hire, listen, this is the second defensive coach, and I get that you're Arthur Blank, and I get that that you. You don't have to necessarily hire for the need of the team, because let, let's let's be, listen. When you hire for the need of the team, 
we've, we've tried that and it hasn't worked. Because here's the thing. You look at the coaches being hired. Listen, Sean McVay took over a terrible offense in the Rams. They went to the Super Bowl in his second year. Go, go, go as far back. And I tell people, when Pete Carroll took over the Seahawks, what were the Seahawks' problem? Well, the Seahawks' problem was, you know, I could argue was maybe the offense. You know, but he took over he took over a good, not great defense, but he made it to the Legion of Boom. He took over a bad defense. He fixed it. But he had a great offensive system in place. He hired smart offensive people. You know, Bill Belichick, listen, defensive background, Josh McDaniels, you know the story. He had Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien. He had smart offensive minds. And that's what's getting me with Atlanta is, listen, our smart offensive minds, the head coach of San Francisco 49ers. Dirt cutter, you know, listen, first time around was great. Thank God he's back at Alabama. He's doing great. College, that's good for him. And I put it on the record. Listen, I'm going to say something that may not be unpopular, but I'm going to say it because I'm, I've been a fan for over 20 years, and I'm going to just come out and say it. Listen, one in three, if we finish this season below 500, we got to consider moving on from Dan Quinn because we can't hold on to dudes. Because listen, I read, listen, like I said, like I said earlier, Listen, you know, since, you know, since 2016, we're hovering around 500 under Dan Quinn. Five playoff games in seven seasons we had. And listen, Mike Smith, he's three and two in the playoffs with Dan Quinn. Mike Smith was one and four. So that's the one thing that Dan Quinn has in favor of him. What he doesn't have in favor of him is, is that, listen, 37 and 31, you know, that concerns me. What concerns me is that the offense is not producing. And maybe you're putting too much emphasis on the defense. This is what I said. We're an offensive league. you got to hire smart offense. And listen, Dirk Cutter is smart at what he does. And I do believe that to make the offense, we do turn it around. But penultimately, it boils down to we got to start looking at Matt Ryan. Because, like, I, I talked about Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, wacko. I talked about, listen, that three-year decline. And look at the number that Matt Ryan has the year. He's already had six interceptions. He can end up with double-digit interceptions. You know, Matt Ryan has to play nearly perfect ball for him not to reach double digits. And listen, and I say it's a loaded. I'm not saying, oh, let's move on. From I see what, you know, listen, the only reason why Baltimore traded Joe Flacco because they knew what they had in Lamar Jackson. Listen, we got, we got stuck with Matt Schaub, Matt Charles Schwab. You know, I know his last name is Shaw. It's a play on words. But the point is, is that I consider looking at this quarterback class and say, listen, we drafted defense heavily. We drafted offensive line heavy. We got to consider, listen, drafting a guy to push Matt Ryan. And I like Matty Ice. Listen, I defend Matt Ryan, defend the fact that he gets paid. I defend that. He's been to a Super Bowl. But what I can't defend is that I can't defend the fact that you're tied you had seven all of last year. You already had six. You already had, you already had your you already had your total of interceptions. And you got to play near perfect ball for the next three quarters of the season. So my my question is: I look at Arthur Blank, I look at management, Thomas Dimitriov. If this team does not make the playoffs, you got to move on from one, both, or the other, from one or both of them. Because at the end of the day, Dimitriov's been there longer. 
Don't be like the Washington Redskins and hold on to Bruce Allen, who the playoffs is the playoffs is just as common there as common sense in Washington. So at the end of the day, I'm I'm asking as a fan, I'm asking I'm asking as an Atlanta Falcons fan, I'm asking for a person from common sense. If Dan Quinn does not turn this ship around, you gotta let him go because we've tried to hire defense, and there's been great offensive dudes. We did, we just let. Go. Listen, I'm not saying we could hire Jason Garrett. Thank God we dodged that bullet. So at the end of the day, I'm asking as a fan, if we can move on, let's move on. If not, we're gonna be stuck in that position. Listen, make our run, make our run. It's all I ask. And all I'm asking you is to, for your continued support, and thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. You know, for Chris, I'm Ladaris, and thank you for taking time to listen to sports and the world. Be real, be you, enjoy your football and your sports weekend here from sports and the world. Have a great day, friends.